are four of a kind things to get me for my birthday. Yeah. I'm curious what's on your list. I want to let you start off. No looking, one. no looking. I'm not All right, looking. so uh, number one is actually one we talked about. So I'm going to start off with an easy one here. Mm. I'm going to get you a brand new pair of skates. Oh, ice! I I actually do want a new pair of ice hockey skates. I really do. Uh, I I've had mine for gosh since 2014. I think is when I got them. 2013. So I've had them for about 10 years. And yeah, I want something that's. A little bit more stable than what I currently have at the moment, just and better steel for my blades. Sure, sure. I, that's just because sometimes it gets. I gotta sharpen them quite a bit, yeah. and it stinks sometimes. You're trying to make a tight turn, and your skates just give out. You feel like you can't make a tight turn. Like I just want to do a standard crossover, and you can't. Um, so anyway, yes, new ice skates. New ice skates. Thank you, Lewis. You're I welcome. Expect, I'll give you my sizes uh, later on during a commercial break, uh, so you can buy me those. Uh, one thing that I know I have a lot of them. Uh-huh. But I still want more of them. Pair of Jordan 1 sneakers. Sure. Pair of Jordan 1s. I wear size 12 and a half. I can wear 13 as well. Pair of high top Jordan 1s. Ready to go. I actually, I want the, what colorway do I want? Uh, there's a lot of colorways that I want, but it's actually the old school, maybe just the red, the white with the red and black. Like the classic like MJ ones? Like the classic MJ ones. Yeah, yeah. Those are great as well. Uh, the university blue with black. Ooh. Those look sharp. I actually mm-hmm. got my niece a pair of those for her fifth birthday. Oh, nice. She loves them. It's fantastic. Uh, second thing that you can get me out there, you know I'm a comic book fan. Yes. Comic books, folks. Easy. Comic books. Just That's a, it. That's it. It, it, it. Like Okay, so what what, what kind in particular? Oh, like, I'm which, which volumes? What do you mean? Like, in terms of like. Like, I, like which, which kind of superhero comic? Well, they don't have to be superhero well, oh, comics. That's, true. that's, that's true. the thing. They don't have to be. I'm actually a big fan of, of horror and noir comics. Ooh. Yeah. Some really good stuff from horror comics, actually. Okay. I don't really, I'm not really into horror movies or horror television, but horror comics are a lot of fun. Okay. They're quite thrilling. Okay. All right. What's the second thing you're getting me for my birthday? The second thing I'm going to get you is a, uh, a gift card to insert your uh, preferred food delivery service here. Oh, okay. And I say it is not because you had five guys delivered for, for I lunch did. today. I decided, you know what, splurge. But it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, you're about to have a four-day weekend, absolutely. Exactly. And it's your birthday tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I feel like I when I come over here and we're doing this stuff, you'll, you'll see you order food and on occasion and everything. So just give you the opportunity to splurge more. That's keep you nice and and you know enriched with the calories and the nutrients that you need so that you can come on here and have a great show. So that and I have enough calories to, to go play my hockey yeah, game. Exactly. With my new skates that you got me, Lewis. I, it's it is a yes. It, it is a process here. We're working. We're going to build to the it's last all tying one. It's together. Be all right. What's next on the list? Uh, number three. I'm going to actually lean to the comics, but I'm going to get you into a different kind of comic. Sure. Uh, I'm going to get you the first volume of the One Piece manga. Oh, okay. We've talked a bit before how much I love yeah. One Piece. By the way, Netflix is coming out with a live action One Piece show, August okay. 31st. Saw the trailer. I I'm excited about it. Um, but I'm going to get you the first volume of One Piece and get you into it and get you addicted and. And then you'll be able to catch up on the greatest story that's ever been told. Wow, the greatest story that's ever been told. I I, I do. I am not speaking in hyperbole when I say that. I am. That is absolutely how I feel. Okay, I know a lot of people love My Hero Academia. Yeah, it's solid. It's a lot of people really like My Hero. Uh, I've not gotten into that. All right, so first two on my list again: uh, a new pair of Jordan ones, Uh comic books. Next thing, get me. You know what? I'm itching for another tattoo. Okay. I'm itching for another tattoo. I'm not entirely sold on what I want to get. Mm-hmm. Pretty important part. But yeah, well, yes, uh, yes. Uh, make sure you truly know what you want before you get the tattoo, folks. Trust me. If you got to sit on it for like the idea for six months or even a year, that's okay. 
Uh, but I have four. Mitchin for a fifth. Okay. Yeah. Where would it go? Or is that going to depend on what, what it is? I think it depends on what I get, but I'm probably looking at my, my right shoulder. Okay. Up there. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, have, I have left shoulder. I saw like my back left on my left uh, left shoulder blade, back my back of my right shoulder blade, uh, one on my shoulder on my left uh, my left arm, and then one on my inside of my right forearm. Okay. Okay. So, and then uh, last thing you can get me. Yeah. Straight cash, homie. Easy. Straight cash. Easy. Straight cash. I mean, sure. I'll take it. If you give me a bag of money, yeah. Happy birthday to me. Exactly. Happy birthday to you. Thanks. Okay, so so you're gonna go. You're gonna take your new skates after you've eaten the food. Uh-huh. Uh You're gonna while you wait for it to play your the the uh, exhibition match, if you will, that you're gonna be playing. Yes. Um, you're gonna be reading One Piece. Mm-hmm. Last piece here. What you will be wearing on top of all of this mm-hmm. is a brand new Kenny Pickett jersey. That would be the fourth thing I would get because because you like the Steelers, you I are a Steelers do, fan. Yes. I'm a Bengals fan, uh, so th- I want you to understand how much that hurts me <laughs> to 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 purchase that and give that to you. Uh, that's um, awesome, but it, it probably will hurt me as much as I think Kenny Pickett is going to hurt me over the next few if, years. If you don't do Kenny Pickett, I'll take T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt, okay, sure, that's the easy one. Well, though. Of course. What about uh, George Pickens? Would he I'd, be next I'd up take, on the list? I'd take Pickens. He's he's a bad dude. I know he's a bad dude. dude. Really good. We're going to hit it and quit it. Earlier today, the Hockey Hall of Fame announced its inductees. Rob Brindamore not inducted into the Hall of Fame. Again, Hockey Hall of Fame got it wrong again. Not saying that these other guys that got into the Hall of Fame, Henrik Lundqvist, this first are, ballot. Yeah. Yeah. Goes in. Yeah, absolutely. And that dude's a workhorse oh, yeah. for his career. He goes in. Tom Barrasso, also a goaltender. 369 wins. Pretty nice career. Yeah. Won a couple of Stanley Cups. Also has a Vesno trophy. Yeah. And a Rookie of the Year can, uh, trophy to his credit, the Calder trophy. That all came. The Vesna and the Calder trophy obviously came in his rookie seasons. But won two Stanley Cups. Did play part of a season here in 2002. Two, I'm sorry, 2001, 2002. With the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep. Uh, that was late in his career. That was right before his last season ever in the NHL. Pierre Turgeon, who has averaged over a point per game in his career, goes in. And Mike Vernon, who won a con Smythe with the Detroit Red Wings as their goaltender, has 385 career wins. Also into the Hockey Hall of Fame in terms of, of male inductees uh, for former players. Among others, uh, coaches like Ken Hitchcock has gone in. But once again, Rob Brindamore left out. The man should be in, Lewis. I mean, it, yes. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not complicated. I feel like I'm being gaslit by the, the Hockey Hall of Fame. I, I understand that it's the Hall of Fame, and so it's only the best of the best. They only allow, at max, four uh, male players and two female players um, a year. So the, not a whole lot of people can go in each year. But at some point, Rod Brindamore... Feels like he needs to be the guy. He, he's been eligible for since three years after his last season, mm-hmm. which would have been what year would that have been? 20, I think it was 2009, 2010. So 2012, I guess, would be 2012, 2013. Yeah, 2013. Yeah, that, that's when he would have been uh, eligible to get in. So it's been 10 years now. And, you know, the stat that we threw out there that we got from Casey Hintz at WRL, who had a great piece on why Rod Brindamore should get into the Hall of Fame, check that out on WRLSportsFan.com. Uh, there have been 37 players who are Hall of Fame eligible who 
uh, scored 1,100 points throughout their career and won at least one Stanley Cup. 35 of them are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. One of those two not in the Hockey Hall of Fame is Rod Brindamore. I mean, and it's it's some of it is like the Hartford Whalers have gotten plenty of love, uh, obviously in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, Ron Francis with all his time with Whalers, all his time with the Hurricanes mm-hmm. is one of the representatives. But beside, if you remove Ron, Ron Francis from that equation, almost all of the Her- Carolina Hurricanes representatives played just a couple of a season, a couple of seasons, with even the part of a season, yeah, even part of a season. So it's it's one of those things where it feels like when the next Carolina Hurricane goes into the Hall of Fame. It needs to be Rod Brindamore. Yep. And another guy who didn't get inducted, yeah. Justin Williams, former Carolina Hurricane, Mr. Game 7. Had a fantastic career. Did Justin Williams, won three Stanley Cups, including one back here in 2006 with the Hurricanes. Uh, also, the moniker of Mr. Game 7. That's pretty good. He's played in nine games. He played in nine Game 7s in his career. The team went 8-1 and one in the Game 7s in which he played. Yeah. Most points ever in Game 7s, 15 in nine games. Pretty good. Also tied with the most goals in a Game 7 with seven. So he has seven goals, eight assists, in nine Game 7s. And he's gone eight and one in those games. And Pretty impressive. This was Justin Williams' first year eligible, eligible of yep. entering the Hall of Fame. So no doubt he will get there at some point. Do the right thing. Put Rod and Justin Williams in at the same time. Just all, all just hurricanes. All in at the just same time. It. All at the same time. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. I hit it so good. So according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, he's the NBA draft guru. Brandon Miller is supposed to be the pick for the Charlotte Hornets. Mm. Brandon Miller is supposed to be the guy. Now, Bobby Marks of ESPN, NBA draft is tomorrow, 8 o'clock. Hornets pick second. Here's Bobby Marks of ESPN giving Brandon Miller's draft profile. Bobby Marks, play a profile. At 6'9", Miller brings excellent size on the wing is a dynamic shot maker, a strong playmaker, and has shown the versatility on the defensive end to guard multiple positions. Miller is an easy fit for any team that drafts him. Okay, sure. Easy fit. Now, the guy that he's going to be picked over, a lot of people like, including yourself. I do. Scoot Henderson, who played down, down in the G League Ignite this past season. Saw him play in a pretty high-profile game against the, the guys that can be the number one overall pick, Victor Weminyama. Dude held his own. Here's Bobby Marks on Scoot Henderson's profile. Bobby Marks, play a profile. Henderson is at his best using his terrific ball handling ability, an explosive change of gears, downhill attacks, and putting pressure on the rim. The 6'2 Henderson has a 6'9 wingspan and has the physical tools to be an impact defender. Okay, there it is. 6'9 wingspan? At 6'2? At 6'2? That's ridiculous. Goodness, Inspector Gadget over here. Yeah. Why 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 do you think Scoot over Brandon Miller? So I I think I personally I think Scoot is more talented. Okay. Um, from a physical perspective mm-hmm. at the at the very least um you know I, I think that he he kind of has that dog in him for lack of a better phrasing. I I'm normally a numbers analytics guy but that's just mm-hmm. my thought process. That stuff to me that stuff does matter. I I do think that the it's, mental makeup matters. Both both of these guys I think have very high potential at number 2. Mm-hmm. This is you know if any if there was any other year where Victor Wembanyama is not going to be the number one overall pick, you know, I think there would be a lot of debate over who would go number one overall here. Yeah. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if, if that were the case if the Spurs were to pick Scoop. But um, well, I think 
the issue when you look at both of them, when you look at the weaknesses, uh, Scoot is not the best shooter. He shot under 30%, about 29% uh, from outside. Um, he's working on his his, um, uh, his um, uh, dribble drive, his pull-up shooting ability, things like that. Um, so that's something that he would have to work on. He would have to continue to do that, if, especially if he wants to play alongside a uh, another guard that he can kind of play off-ball with in LaMelo Ball. Uh, and then Brandon Miller, his he's got the length. He has the offensive ability, obviously. Um, you know, you do worry a little bit about like a high-end athleticism aspect of things. Um, he had some issues in the NCAA tournament, did not do well. He was dealing with a bit of a groin injury. Mm-hmm. And then obviously with Brandon Miller as well, there is what happened off the court with Alabama. Yeah. Um, I, I have it all written down here. I don't know if we want to get into all of it right now, but that's something we will continue to talk about tomorrow, especially with it being the day of the NBA draft. Uh, I don't know. I just... I kind of lean towards Scoot. I think it would be a lot of fun to have Scoot and LaMelo side by side. Um, you have yeah. a young, exciting uh, backcourt. I, That's just me. That's what I lean towards. If the, Could you imagine the pace of play oh my gosh, with LaMelo? Yeah. Now, the question is, if, if both of them were able to improve their three-point shooting, if you thought they were capable of improving it in terms of getting up closer to about 40%. Now, LaMelo Ball in his career is – just over 37%, which is fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll take Which that. is good. But if they were closer to a 40% three-point shooting between the each, between the two of them, that would be a dynamic backcourt yes. in my mind. Yes. Absolutely dynamic backcourt. All right. Uh, real, let's quit that. Let's hit this. He's a machine! So we talked earlier this week about Chris Paul being traded from the Phoenix Suns to the Washington Wizards. There might be a third team, potentially the L.A. Clippers, coming in to – Add a third team to the mix in order to send the Clippers or to send Chris Paul to the to the Clippers to be on a contending team. Now it looks like the Clippers, the Wizards, and now the Boston Celtics might be making some moves uh, together as well. So this is being reported by Sham Saranga of the Athletic. Uh, there's a potential blockbuster trade that would send Kristaps Porzingis from the Boston Celtics. I'm sorry, send Kristaps Porzing- Porzingis of the from Dallas the Wizards Mavericks. or Wizards, excuse Wizards. Me. To the Celtics, Malcolm Brogdon going from the Celtics to the Clippers, and then Clippers wing Marcus Morris going to the Wizards along with draft compensation as well. Danilo Gallinari could also head from Boston to Washington, part of the deal. So, again, you bring in another point guard, a great defensive player, former ACC Player of the Year and ACC Defensive Player of the Year in Malcolm Brogdon going from Boston to the Clippers. Well, if they also get Chris Paul, that could be assurances in the backcourt if they are to make that move to get Chris Paul as well. Uh, but again, Washington clearing out Christoph Porzingis, clearing out Bradley Beal, getting a lot of assets in return for these veteran guys uh, to send these guys out. Now, this whole deal could fall apart. Christoph Porzingis has a $36 million player option for this upcoming year. If he declines it, this whole deal is nothing because he just becomes a free agent. But nevertheless, we might see Chris Paul in a new environment, and we also might see Jason Tatum, formerly of Duke, get some new teammates as well. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if it's a matter of picking your team, mm-hmm. like Kristaps Porzingis, yeah, 100% I'm going to Boston. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, I'll, you, I'll do my player option immediately. I, I'm I'm curious if that feels like a lot of money for Kristaps Porzingis right now. I, hence, I have 36 million reasons why Kristaps Porzingis should take his player option. Yeah. Um, also, I, I, the Clippers, Marcus Morris and the Clippers apparently have had a lot of like beef recently. They have not been getting along in terms of how Marcus Morris was used towards the latter half of the season. Uh, so it makes sense to kind of get rid of him and getting Malcolm Brogdon in return. Yeah. That's that's big for the Clippers. Um, my, my, my worry with the Clippers is what it is always has been, mm-hmm. which is, are they going to stay healthy? 
Is Kawhi going to be healthy? Is Paul George going to be healthy? Malcolm Brogdon had some injury issues that he was dealing with this season. That's my that's my big thing. But it's it's interesting. This is interesting. It makes some teams better for sure. Um, curious to see how it, it all works out there. But speaking of of Paul George, oh yeah, uh, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Yes, I want to get into this. How you doing? Uh, Brandon Miller, what are you doing? I just want to say what what the the so question. Well, we'll yeah, we'll we'll pose the question. But I'm just like what. Really? This guy? Uh, Brandon Miller? He was asked... I'll let you set it up, Lewis. He was... Brandon Miller was asked... Uh, it was a very long-winded question, it but was. Brandon Miller was asked... Uh, the GOAT debate. MJ and LeBron, do you think it is tired out at this point? Here's what he said. No, because I, I actually don't uh, think LeBron is, you know, the GOAT of basketball. I think my GOAT of basketball is Paul George. I mean, I always grew up watching him, so... It's never just LeBron. What? I'm sorry. He said Paul George. Bruh. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Well, no disrespect to Paul George. He's he's a potential. Like he's he's someone who has been hanging out in the MVP conversation, All Star, great player. He's, yeah. He's not in the he's not in the goat conversation. Like he's not even the best player on his current team. No. Like if if you're if you're Brandon Miller and you want to model your game after Paul George, I think that's fair. Just don't that, get hurt like Paul George. No, but that's that's who that's who like the best case scenario for Brandon Miller in the league. I think is Paul George, and that's fine, and that's great. I take that. That's that. Keep yeah, Paul absolutely. Great. L- imagine Lamelo and Paul George together. That'd be great. But I just <laughs> it's it's one of these things. I I heard the video. I was like, what? Excuse me. That was not the question. I have I have more reservations now about drafting Brandon Miller from the Charlotte Hornets because well. one Michael Jordan endorsed him uh after this second workout earlier this week and Michael Jordan's track record overall for for selections is not very good and then now he's sitting there saying I think saying this look I don't like getting into greatest all time conversations I really don't they're I, so I th- they are tired they are very tiresome but dude have you watched basketball? That's my question. Have you watched other people play the sport you play? I'm sure he has, but I don't know what I don't know what he's got. Going I don't on. know what I don't know what though. Oh. I don't know what. So anyway, that's that's kind of where things stand are regarding this. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this real fast. Bruh. Wake Forest back in action tonight. One win away from reaching the finals of the College World Series. Wake Forest. Wild. I'm I'm looking forward to it. That game is at 7 o'clock tonight right here on 99.9 The Fan. They take on LSU. They do. LSU has to beat them twice. Yeah, LSU can't beat Tennessee in the uh, elimination bracket mm-hmm. and so now Wake Forest just has to beat uh, LSU once. And LSU has some great pitching, but Wake Forest also has some great pitching. Wake Forest, after how dominant they were in the regionals and super regionals, by the way, yeah. they've only led for like Two innings combined. They've had to come back in, in college both games, World but hey, you won, right? Demon Deacons on the verge of doing something they haven't done since the mid '50s. Yeah, back when they actually were located in the town Wake Forest, yes. uh, not in Winston Salem. That's been hit and quit it. Let's now go to the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. We are joined by Emily Fox, North Carolina Courage defender, as well as. The U.S. Women's National Team. She's on her way to her first World Cup. She's also former number one overall pick. First of all, Emily, congratulations on making the U.S. Women's National Team. This is awesome. Uh, when you found out, hey, you're one of 23 players picked, what went through your mind? 
Um, really, I was just so excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, it, it's something that, you know, I was hoping to get a call. So really just like a lot of anticipation. And then when I finally got the call, first first my call with my mom and we were cheering. So it was really exciting. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so wholesome. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Emily. Uh, question for you. So this year, 2023, has been a bit of a whirlwind, right? You you were traded back in January. Uh, you scored your first international goal ever in April against Ireland. Mm-hmm. Now you're on the U.S. women's national team roster for the World Cup, and you're going to get a chance to play here in about a month. Um, have you caught your breath at all? How, how are you doing? <laughs> it is. I mean, when you say it like that, it, it does sound like a lot. But, you know, I think that that's really just a part of it and a part of the job. It's you know, a lot of traveling, we're really busy all the time, and we just keep moving forward. So, yeah, it's been good. Emily Fox, U.S. Women's National Team, as well as North Carolina Curves defender, joining us here on the Keystar Automotive Group Hotline, alongside Luis Fernandez, Dennis Cox here with you. Playing here locally here in the Triangle now as a professional, you played your college soccer at UNC with the Tar Heels. What's it like being able to come back here to this area to continue your professional career after being in the area for your college career? Oh, it's great. I mean, we played my first two years at Wake Med Soccer Mm -hmm. Park, which is where we play now for the Courage. So it definitely feels like a second home. And, um, yeah, it's been, you know, a very great transition coming back and being in North Carolina again. Uh, Emily, I wanted to to ask, so um, full transparency here, uh, I graduated from UNC uh the year after i think you got there in 2016 or the year before i should say um and and so one of the players who was there while i was there was crystal dunn and you know she was she was amazing carolina won a a national championship that year and you you two never overlapped at unc but now you know you're you're on the uh women's national team together you're going to be on the world cup roster together here what's what's like playing with crystal um what's that that carolina connection like it's amazing i mean i think with with Crystal, you can totally see the UNC in her just with, like, how competitive she is, but also able to have, like, such a great time at the same time. So, um, no, it's been awesome being able to train with her, play with her, um, and really get inspiration from her both on and off the field. So, yeah. What's the best thing you've learned from her? Uh, it, it can be soccer-related. It can be not soccer-related. That's a great question. Um, I definitely think it really has to go with what I just said. Like, I think she does such a great job of when she steps onto the pitch, she's, you know, so competitive, aggressive, focused. And at the same time, she's able to, like, laugh at herself, have fun, um, and enjoy, you know, being a professional athlete and playing what she loves. So I think that's something, especially on the national team, when, you know, things can get intense and, um, there's a lot more pressure. I think she does an amazing job at that. So that's definitely one thing I've learned from her. Emily Fox, NC Courage, and U.S. Women's National Team joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. You mentioned about Crystal, about the competitiveness and what she plays. How competitive is it to just even make the U.S. Women's National Team roster for the World Cup? There's only 23 slots, and there are a lot of great players who have been on the U.S. Women's National Team in the past that aren't on the roster this year for various reasons, multitude of injuries and so forth. But still, how difficult is it to just even make the squad? I mean, it. yeah, it's very difficult. Um, you know, what's cool is that everyone's story and kind of process to – 
to get here is different for me. Like I've, I've been in and out of the team since 2018. So um, it's, it's so exciting to, you know, make this world cup team and have my first world cup. So um, yeah, I would just say everyone's journey and process is different and that makes it even more special. Uh, I think it's Emily. I think there are 14 rookies. I want to say on this roster who have who have never played in the World Cup before. You are one of them. Uh, how how are you all going to bond? Is there going to be like a a trip beforehand? You got a group chat. What's that like? Um, I mean, really, I think, you know, for the gr- for people that it's our first time. I mean, the veterans on the team have done such a great job of making us, you know, feel welcomed. And and again, like most of us have been, you know in and out of camps the past year, two years, um, things like that. So, you know, I don't really think anyone is a rookie, um, especially with everyone playing in the NWSL, playing games, things like that. So, really, I I don't think there's any rookies, and I think we're going to need all 23 players um, in order to to do well and and do our best. So, in the the Olympics – the U.S. did not win the gold medal. They won the the, the bronze. Uh, Canada was actually champions. How much of it is that a motivating factor for you all, having the last big-time international competition? U.S. didn't come out on top. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think with the World Cup, having, you know, the U.S. team win two back-to-back World Cups, I think obviously there is a lot of pressure mm-hmm. for, you know, to get the third one. Um, but, yeah, so I think, you know, that pressure has always been with this team um, because of how well they've done. Um, but, yeah, I think it's something that everyone embraces, everyone knows, and really it's a privilege to have that. Um, so we kind of, you know, carry it carry it with us and know it's there, but know that it really just motivates and pushes us more, more than anything. Now, Emily, really quick question for you. I know it's a uh... – the World Cup, obviously, is the, that's the big stage, but I think the, the NWSL is also a pretty big stage, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the courage, y'all have, have rocketed up to, to third place in the standings. I mean, what, what has it been like to see this team come together and really find their, their groove over the past couple of months? Yeah, I mean, really, January, there was a lot of turnover, a lot of changes, myself included. I was, you know, a new member of the team along with the rookies, and um and trades that happen so yeah I mean I think I think it's a process and it takes time to develop and have everyone be on the same page and you know I think we're on that same page and so it is really exciting to look back to January and then look to now like I feel like we're the same team but we're just everything's clicking we understand each other um and so yeah it's been really great um to have that Emily Fox, North Carolina Courage, U.S. Women's National Team Defender. Congratulations once again. Best of luck the rest of the season with the Courage, but obviously best of luck in the World Cup as you go down under uh, to New Zealand and Australia. Really do appreciate your time, and again, congratulations. Emily Fox, U.S. Women's National Team. Thank you so much. Joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. That's exciting. That's got to be so exciting. To She's 24 years old, and you – I will say the U.S. Women's National Team is probably, again, the hardest team to make the hardest team to make because you look at the level of players that didn't even make it this year. Now, several of them were injured, but Mallory Swanson, formerly Mallory Pugh, uh, Kristen Press, Becky Sauerbrunn, Sam Mewis. These are players who 
have been contributing big time for the U.S. Women's National Team, whether it's in the Olympics or in the World Cup. And those four aren't on the roster this year. Again, now they're injuries and stuff aside, but the level of talent that obviously still makes the team is extremely high. What would always, like, if I try and put myself, like, let's say I try and put myself in Emily's shoes here, mm-hmm. getting a chance to play in your, your first World Cup ever, you're 24 years old. There are, like we mentioned during the interview, there are 14 World Cup rookies, if you will, who are going to be uh, playing as part of this team. It's, there's a lot of youth for a variety of reasons, injuries, all of that kind of stuff. But there are three players who this will be their fourth World Cup. Uh, yeah. Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Kelly O'Hara. Like, and these are these are players who, you know, you grew up watching. And you grew up and saw them winning World Cups constantly. And now you have the opportunity to be on the pitch at the same time as them. That's, I don't know, that's one of those things that when you just really look at the human element of it, that's, that's awesome. That is so cool. It's so amazing. And there, there will be a very large target on their back because, I mean, back-to-back World Cup champions, and now you're trying to make it three in a row. No team in, US women, in a women's World Cup history has won as many World Cups as the women's team has four overall trying to make it five now it's it's going to be a lot of fun i i love watching the women's world cup both the men's and women's world cups are such a great time so in 2016 the u.s women's national team didn't win the olympics but they won the following world cup they did not win the 20 it was technically the 2020 olympics it was played in 2021 the tokyo ones the tokyo olympics canada won that one but Let's see if the U.S. Women's National Team could do like they did last time and follow up Mm. with a World Cup win. So, yeah, as dominant as the U.S. Women's National Team has been, they're not perfect. They're not perfect, but they are great. So, the NBA draft is tomorrow. It's at 8 o'clock. Charlotte Hornets at the second overall pick. And it seems like, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, that the Charlotte Hornets are set on selecting Brandon Miller. Now, Victor Weminyama is the consensus number one overall pick. If he doesn't go number one overall, uh, the Charlotte Hornets should be sprinting towards the podium, being like, the pick's Victor Weminyama, no formalities here. But we all know that's not going to be the case. The only thing that would prevent the San Antonio Spurs from picking Victor Weminyama would be if something were to happen and the San Antonio Spurs franchise were to be suddenly zapped from existence and there was suddenly a vacuum at the number one overall pick. And I, then you know what? Wembenyam would go at number one just to the Hornets because yeah, they would have a number one I mean, pick overall. I mean, crazier things have happened. But the decision at number two, and the and really just draft picks high in, in drafts, have a ripple and trickle-down effect that really can't be quantified Mm-mm. overall. For example, if Brandon Miller out of Alabama does become the number two overall pick to the Hornets, sure, there's discussions that Portland Trailblazers, number third overall pick, might look to trade look to trade their star point guard Damian Lillard, and a potential landing spot could be the Miami Heat. Now, going back in return to Portland, could be a player like Bam Adebayo, uh, who's from North Carolina. There might be other players and stuff involved. This way, they draft Scoot Henderson. So other pieces and players and picks and stuff might get moved. But if on the inverse, that stuff might not happen if the Hornets select Scoot Henderson at number two as opposed to Brandon Miller. So, again, a a lot of potential things could happen. Again, this is where I say the ripple effect. Yeah. It's hard to quantify. Well, like, I mean, let's say, say, you know, 
Hornets, if we just play hypothetical, let's say Hornets grab, uh, grab uh, Brandon Miller, mm-hmm. number two, right? And then Scoot's in there at number three. Uh, you're talking about getting having Dame moved out of uh, of Portland, it, it feels like the closer and closer we get to the draft, the less and less likely that is because yeah. he, he does the classic thing where you know he says there are rumors that he's going to be traded, and then he's like, no, no, I love Portland. Um, what if like let's say they take the number three pick, and you know someone else on their roster, and they send that to the Heat for Bam Adebayo, and then all of a sudden maybe uh, Scoot is a member of the Miami Heat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so there's. There, there are so many of those hypotheticals. It's so much fun to play. It really is. But, f- for example, when we're talking again, that, that long-term, that butterfly effect, right? Ooh, the yeah. trickle-down effect. So, let's let's keep it here locally. Back in 2011 in the NFL, who's the number one overall pick? Uh, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Who's eligible to come out that year? Oh, gosh. What was, it was, the, name, what was the name of the guy? Who- Andrew Luck. Yeah. Andrew Luck yeah. was eligible to enter the NFL draft that year, but decided to stay for a uh, – his redshirt junior season because he wanted to finish his degree at Stanford. Ends up being the number one overall pick in the 2012 draft. Had he come out in 2011, consensus number one overall pick. Okay, so imagine the Carolina Panthers and their history. Imagine the history of the Indianapolis Colts if Andrew Luck wasn't there, if wasn't their draft pick in 2012. So, again... You don't know how a lot of these things are going to play out. So literally the decision by one person, Andrew Luck, has had a decade-plus-long impact on the NFL. Yeah. By not coming out in 2011 as opposed to 2012. Yeah. Like, if you really, like, think about that. Like, if you really, truly think about that, because we don't have a Cam Newton in Carolina if Andrew Luck comes out, because Andrew Luck would have been the pick. Who knows what kind of success he would have had. Well, and just, like, look down that look down that draft list order, yeah. right? So. So let's say Andrew Luck goes number one overall to the Panthers. Yeah. So then Denver's up next. If you remember, Von Miller. they took Von Miller, obviously Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. but they were also looking for a quarterback for the future because the next Tim year, <laughs> the next year they get Peyton Manning. Yeah. So because that next year, it was that year that Peyton Manning has the neck injury and is out, and the Colts ultimately end up deciding to. Uh, cut him in favor of moving young with Andrew Luck because the Colts get the number one overall pick. Yeah. Buffalo has Marcel Darius as the number three overall pick there. Okay. Uh, Assuming in this situation they go get Von Miller. Yeah, or, again, who knows? Maybe Cam goes to Buffalo. True, You don't know these things. But also you look at just even for the the Panthers organization, you know, one of the reasons why Steve Smith left or got sent away was because the friction between he and Cam Newton, right? You couldn't have these two quote-unquote alpha dogs in the locker room. Imagine if Steve Smith finished his career in Carolina. Sure. And doesn't play for B- Baltimore. I love it when good players don't play for Baltimore. But me too. <laughs> so that's, again, there's this long-term, again, again it's a, the quote-unquote butterfly effect of yeah. things that we just don't know. And it's literally the one decision has this long-lasting impact across the entire league. Yeah. So again, the decision by the Charlotte Hornets at number two, what they do at the number two overall pick, has lasting impact across the entire NBA because it doesn't impact just this season. It's next year, the year after. Okay, if picks get swapped and eventually down the line because you didn't get this player. It's so hard to quantify. That's what I say. You can't actually put an actual number on the results of these things. So number two overall pick, if it's Brandon Miller, that has a larger impact. Now, I get, understand that, even picks late in the second round also ha- might have potential impacts down the line if they make rosters. Jokic. But 
for examples, Mr. Casarito himself, for sure. But picks f- one through forty didn't change that year, right? Yeah. But again, this is a pick high in the draft. I know this applies to all drafts, but the picks high in the draft really had this long-term trickle-down effect that we just again don't know what's going to happen. I'm looking forward to the NBA draft. I'm curious to see where guys locally like Derek Lively. Where does he go in the draft? A lot of people were predicting him potentially to 14-ish, the very last lottery pick. End of the lottery, yeah. End of the lottery pick where the New Orleans Pelicans sit, which they have a lot of Duke guys down there right now. Too many. A lot lot of actually guys who played here in the Triangle because Darian Sebron's part of that organization. You also have Brandon Ingram, who's from North Carolina, played at Duke. Zion Zion, Williamson's down there. J.J. Reddick was part of that team down there. Uh, So a lot of Triangle and North Carolina influence Already on the New Orleans Pelicans, you might actually have more of that as well. There's talks of Dariq Whitehead slipping out of the first round. He might even be the last pick, pick 30 overall. He, he draft, to me, is or the first round, I should say. He, he's one of the biggest question marks because if you go off of him healthy, he's a lottery pick. He's someone who's right up there with Derek Lively. But the foot issues, the surgeries mm-hmm. he's had, injuries he's dealt with, that's when you start to get a little more concerned. I don't know. I... Yeah, I'm, I'll be really curious to see where Derek Whitehead ends up, head ends up falling. Also, we have Terquavion Smith, yeah, who some people are actually projecting him to be a high second-round pick, potentially to the Charlotte Hornets. Ooh. Now, the Charlotte Hornets have pick two, pick 27. They also have pick 34, 39, and 41. Yes. So they have five picks in the draft. I don't think they're going to keep five rookies on the roster this year. M- Mitch Kupchak said today in his availability mm-hmm. that they he does not believe they are going to be using all five picks. So that would, that would mean some trading. And something that I brought up yesterday and earlier this week as well, with the new collective bargaining agreement taking place on July 1st, the luxury tax for teams that go over the salary cap gets exponentially higher. Yeah. So teams that have high-priced veterans on their roster are going to supplement their team with second-round picks most likely. So those second-round picks are actually going to become pretty valuable. You could package two of those and pick 27 to move up to get a guy that you really like. If you're the Charlotte Hornets. But it's going to be fun. I wouldn't mind Terquavion Smith in the Charlotte Hornets uniform. I think it'd be a great rotational piece. You can move on from Terry Rozier. It could be a great rotational piece along with LaMelo Ball uh, in, in that system. I think it'd be pretty awesome to see.